What up all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 129 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I sat down with Denise Cox in Phong Nha, Vietnam. She is the owner and operator of Mama D's, a rooftop bar that is spectacular. Really comfy, cozy place with great people. Really a place, a watering hole, if you will, that I think all the local expats really feel comfortable going to, drinking at, for good conversation and good cocktails. What's really powerful about Denise's story is that Denise has been living in Vietnam for the last eight years. Primarily as a single woman going through the natural, normal trials and errors that all expats go through. But, you know, as a single woman, I think those might be amplified a little bit. And as you'll hear throughout the episode, she is somebody who really never felt super confident within herself. She is somebody who, although was always persevering, always going through the darkness and coming out on the other side, it wasn't until recently when she finally started Mama D's, her dream bar, that she realized she had everything it took within herself to accomplish her dreams, her goals, and become the woman that she is today, a powerful woman, a beautiful woman who is not afraid to take on this endeavor on her own and persevere and become somebody who is a staple in this community and somebody who is kind and helpful and constantly being introspective in situations where it's easy to slide into that old sort of mentality of like, oh, I've been here for eight years and this newcomer's coming in and and they don't know what I've been through. They don't know the kind of things that I've done for this community and therefore I'm not going to treat them right. Well, Denise, as she says throughout this episode, is somebody who has to have that internal dialogue when that natural sort of response comes up and she steps back and says like, no, everybody has to start somewhere. I'm going to be kind to this person. I'm going to show them that they are welcome in this community. They are welcome in my bar. And if they need help, I'm going to lend them a helping hand because that's what people do. We help each other out. This is a really beautiful story and something I think we can all relate to. You know, going through those times where we didn't feel good enough, we didn't feel like we could accomplish what we wanted, and then coming out on the other side and realizing that we can do really anything. It's all within us. It just takes that first step forward. It takes that second step, that third step. It takes weathering the hard weeks, months, and years, persevering until everything starts to come together. Everything starts to become familiar, especially for expat. You know, in a land where the language is not familiar, the culture is unfamiliar, and then trying to do business within that sort of environment is tremendously difficult. So this is a story that I hold dear to my heart because I can relate through my years in Nicaragua and my time on the road and these interviews that I'm getting from different expat communities around the world. I mean, it's really the archetype and personality of an expat is so similar. And I can go to any one of these little towns and I can say like, oh, that's like so-and-so from Nicaragua. Oh, that's like so-and-so from Nicaragua. Because Again, we're all there. We're all searching. We're all trying to carve out that niche within this environment that we get to hold for ourselves as the unique individuals we want. And I just can't say enough wonderful things about Denise and this beautiful bar that she has created in Phong Nha. This episode was done outside. There's a little bit of background music. There's a little bit of wind. But you can imagine sitting there talking to Denise at her bar in Phong Nha and really get, I think, a sense for what it would feel like to sit at her bar and have a drink. So with that said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Denise Cox. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit. 
with the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I'm joined by Denise Cox, the owner and operator of Mama D's here in Phum Nha. She's been in Vietnam for the last eight years. Has some really cool insight into life here, how she got here, and just a cool lady. I've enjoyed drinking at your bar. So Thanks. welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. It's so great to be here. I'm really happy to sit down with you for a short while. Yeah, thanks. I mean, you know, you know how this goes. It's like expats come to a place and some stay, some go. And so what's interesting to me is the longevity. And no offense, you know, like females I notice don't usually last as long as males for whatever reason that is. So it's just kind of fun to you know see such an empowered woman doing what you're doing, making it work, and I mean you just your your bar is awesome. Thank so, you. Yeah. So Thanks why don't you talk to us a little bit about like why you chose Vietnam? How'd you how'd you arrive in Vietnam? What in 2010? Yeah, I, I came in 2010. I was I was offered a job. It was a teaching uh, English teaching job, um, and it was connected by family. So I had a fiance. It was his son and daughter-in-law who were in charge of opening a new school. Like they were actual teachers. I have zero qualifications, zero background in teaching. And um, as far as I was concerned before that point, teaching English overseas is what the cool kids did. And I never ever, it was never on my radar, something that was possible for me. I had a life of just jobs you know, gas stations, grocery stores, restaurants, hotels. I just had jobs. And I knew that this, no one was ever going to ask me again. This was my one chance to try it. So my fiance took a one year leave of absence from his job of 23 years. I just had a shitty job. I think I was out of work at the time. And um, it was a no brainer. So we just Googled it. Basically, I Googled Vietnam and said, let's go, and took the job and moved. That's wild. Yeah, so just so the audience knows, you're originally from Canada. Yes. Um, born in Edmonton, but then kind of transplanted to where? I, was, I, I spent the, my last, I'd say, uh, 10 or 11 years of living in Canada in Manitoba. Okay. Yeah. And just working odd jobs, just in the hustle, the grind, multiple jobs, I'm assuming at times. Always. As a, as, as a female, uneducated... Um, you always have to have two shitty jobs to get by. Yeah, we talked about that the other night. Yeah. Um, so then your fiancé and you picked up, moved here, helped um, his children with the school, like starting a school as Right. Teachers. They were working for a, a large school in Saigon, and they were opening a new branch. So Carrie, I knew both Carrie and Justin quite well. Um, so it was just easy, you know, and they said they would support me and train me and I just need to get my TEFL and away we go. Um, so yeah, that's, I was on the opening team of this brand new school. Okay. And now you have a bar in Feng Ya and you don't have a fiance. So correct. can we talk through like those beginning years and how that all played out? Yeah, sure. Cause it's, it's interesting because when I tell people now that I moved to Vietnam sight unseen, they're like, oh, that's so brave of you. But honestly, there was no bravery involved in that decision. It was easy. You know, I had a built-in support system. I had, you know, I had family, so to speak, that was here already. And so, and it was a, a beach city, you know, lots of 
parties and it was the easiest expat living that you could imagine you know and so in that first year I uh, wow I the first thing I learned was there's a reason you go to school to be a teacher because that is very hard work and without all of the right tools you end up with this like really well-intentioned education so I mean it really does speak volumes about the school the fact that they hired me to teach all of this international create curriculum not just teach it you know and it was just a lot of work but I took it seriously I I tried my damnedest and um, so I went through that first year and in that first year I the second thing I learned is that I honestly did not really like my fiance's kids very much I found them to be extremely um, inconsiderate mean thoughtless um, vicious mm. and I realized that my fiance didn't see any of that and I kept getting lower and lower on the totem pole of people important to him and so I just decided I would we just grew apart and I ended everything but it wasn't as simple as that because I wanted to stay I didn't want to leave so at the end of the school year, I was guaranteed, promised, up and down that I had a job. I could go back to Canada for a few weeks to tie up loose ends, but when I came back, I would have a job. And um, right before I left, his youngest son said to me, um, yeah, you're gonna go away for a few weeks and I'm gonna make it my life's goal to ruin your life. And uh, I was like, yeah, whatever. And, but he really, oh bless him, he tried. He worked really, really hard at it. And so I ended that, I went back to Canada, sorted things out, rented out my house again, and then came back here. The day I arrive, I get the email, no job. And I go out on the streets and I find out quickly that he had done his job and I had no friends. So now I am completely alone. I have no work and very little money. And I have to start an entirely new chapter. And that's when I can say bravery had to kick in because I really had to figure it out. But as a result of that, I ended up with my golden years. The next two years, year and a half, two years were magnificent. I did find my, my tribe. I found my friends that I still am close to today. Um, I found another job. Um, I, I recreated myself and I am really proud of that. After a couple of years there, um, that's when I, the, the tribe was breaking up. People come and go and move as you know and uh, we decided a bunch of us to do a final hurrah trip and we bought motorbikes and we took a month, I took a month off work, and we hopped on the bikes, came through this area, and it was shortly after that that I was offered work and I moved here. That's rad, so when you did come back for the initial like um, lack of job with the teaching, right. what, what did you find uh, work-wise? Teaching. Oh, you, were just, you kept teaching. Go figure, but yeah, but it was really crazy because I ended up helping open a Montessori preschool, and I swear, nobody ever would have believed that. 
I don't really do kids. You know, I'm not a fan of, you know, I, I, I just couldn't imagine I'd ever do that. But it was really satisfying and gratifying. And in the end, like when the classrooms went into the eating room together, my class spoke English. They used English words for everything. And so I, I did a pretty good job. Yeah, but it was so, the, so much work. The original like kind of crew that you fell into after the after the falling out, are they people that I know here or have met here? Or are they all scattered around now? Well, Mike okay. was the he helped he was he's one of the original owners of Easy Tiger. Uh, Gigi, manager of Fungnya Farmstay and um Fooked at T shirts. Um, we were all housemates. But it was Mike that got the job. As soon as we got back to Natrang, within a week, he was already back here. He'd gotten rid of all of his stuff and was managing the Fungnya Farmstay. And so that would have been like October. And then he called me in January and asked me to come and work with him at the Farmstay. And I was delighted. Just to get out of teaching and kind of get back to more. Uh, actually, I just finished teaching. It was kind of funny. Um, I always end up in these really bizarre situations. So, I was, I was in the uh, the captain's quarters of a Russian cargo ship, and it's not nearly as glamorous as that sounds. I can guarantee that. But I'd met this Israeli ship's captain. I'd quit my job, right? I couldn't take it anymore, and I'd spent a couple of weeks with this gentleman. And uh, it was just a bizarre place to be. So I was lying in bed there thinking to myself, okay, Denise, now you don't have a job. Now what are you going to do, right? Like, okay, I, I don't think I'll get in with another school, but I could try some language centers. I enjoy that. And I can um, do private students. That's what I'll do. Okay, now I have to do math. How many students do I need and how much do I have to charge to make a living? And I hate math. And I was lying there, just struggling to figure out what to do. And my phone rang, and it was Mike. And he goes, do you want a job in wow. Fungnya? And I was like, I, I can, couldn't have been happier. That's awesome. So yeah. you left your captain. <laughs> I did. And he followed me. He wanted to follow me physically. He messaged me for a long time. He wanted to marry me and all of that. But I, it didn't take long before um, that fizzled out right yeah but I yeah I left my and so with like visas and stuff like that are you still working off of your uh, teaching visa and oh just... no, no 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 those come and go really quickly as soon as you quit a job you're you lose all of that um, I'm uh, I work for the hotel where my bar is I'm an employee of theirs and um, I'm I have I'm sponsored and I have my resident card and you know I'm here very legally and and you're still having to piece it together year after year. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, my my work permit is for two years. My resident card is for one, okay. and I renew it after okay. a year. And that's pretty painless, or yeah, still yeah, it's painless. Yeah, okay. yeah. Cool. So then the arrival in Fonya. I mean, you had come with your crew. Did you have a a knowing inside that this would be a really cool place to then kind of absolutely? I, what I loved about this place was how wild west it was. There. We're sitting here in Fungnya town right now. You, you wouldn't have even, there was no reason to come to Fungnya. You stayed at the farm estate um, if you were, you know, a, a foreigner. 
There was nowhere really to stay here. You only came into town to catch a boat to go to Fungniak Cave. There were a few hotels, a few little restaurants, but there was, it was uh, geared towards domestic tourism, so Vietnamese clients, and there was just nothing here. And uh, I had the chance to like live in a little house in the middle of a rice paddy and, you know, follow the buffalo to work and just be in the most rural and isolated of areas. And I've always been up for those kinds of challenges. That's cool. Can you describe to the audience, and just so the audience knows, we're going to probably hear from a lot of different expats here about Fung Ya and the cave system, but can you describe to the audience like what makes Fung Ya special, like why people are coming here for tourist reasons? Sure. I mean, of course there's the caves. Well, um, the audience doesn't know about the caves, so describe what the caves are and what they're All right. Well, we are the called, you know, the adventure capital of Vietnam, and we are a cave kingdom. There's hundreds of caves. Only a fraction have been explored. The world's largest cave is here the third world's largest, and who knows what else they're going to find. There are no small caves here. So um, most of the people that come here are here for adventure and outdoor activity and exploration and adventure. Got yeah. it. And so back in the day, like when were the caves discovered roughly, do you know? I think it was like 2010 is when Paradise Cave opened. And that was like... I, I, it was after Fungnya Cave. I believe Fungnya Cave opened before that, but not much before that. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was Paradise Cave, and those were the only two places. And then, you know, Nukmok Eco Trail opened, and then the Dark Cave opened. Um, and those are all tourist caves with infrastructure, and anyone can just walk up at any time. But the the jewels here, you have to book tours for. You you have to go with a an experienced guide. Um, to go and explore them. They include lots of jungle trekking and river crossings and cool bouldering, and you go deep inside these really cool, funky caves. That's cool. So, thank you for that articulate answer. What about the Wild West aspect of it was so alluring to you? I always, I, you know, where in this world now, that this developed planet, do you get to be at the beginning of anything? And at that time, Fungnya Farmstay had only really been open, I think, a year and a half, not even two years, like less than two years for sure. And um, like that's all there was here, and it was so special. That's interesting you say that because I've had the same experience in my small fishing village in Nicaragua, being you know the first gringos to reside there and start. Um, surf tours there people had passed through of course and there was a few people running surf tours out of there casually but like we were the first to reside there and the first like being the first as you said and articulated and within the hindsight that i have like that was tremendously special and the fact that you actually had the foresight to see like oh wait we're the first i want to experience that it's kind of unique how did you i mean what was in it in there like i don't i don't know how did you see that I didn't, you know what, I, I'm not a woman, I'm not, I don't have a lot of foresight. Well, that's the truth. I just love doing something different. I wanted a good story to tell, you know, like nobody else got asked. I got asked and I got to come here and I, I, I never imagined I'd be where I am now. I honestly didn't. And even at the halfway mark, I almost left. Um, why? Why did you almost leave? Well, I was... <laughs> I, you know, it's not an easy place to be. 
it's not for everyone. And um, there are just a lot of personal challenges you have to overcome to be able to really set your roots down here and stay put. Can we talk about some of those? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, like, some of it is, like, personal limitations. Like, the, you, the need to be uh, busy all the time or surrounded by uh, people or something, yeah, just something to do all the time. Like, I find when I'm in a city, you're just always distracting yourself. Like, you're always going out for coffee or going out for lunch or going to a movie or going to a concert or you're always doing stuff, right? And here, you are by yourself a lot. And so you have to like yourself. You know, and even though I loathe myself, I have a deep, deep loathing of myself, I did enjoy my company. Um, uh, there are also other people involved. Like, there are some that feel like they get to determine who stays and who goes and who's good enough and who's worthy. And um, I kind of fallen on the wrong side of that. And so I had to fight my way to stay, you know. Um, so there's that sort of aspect of it as well. Um, and and it, it got, actually, it really hit a peak of um, emotion and anger and violence, and not from me, from people around me, where I just thought, ah, oh. Fuck it, it's not worth it. Mm. Like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna move to Da Nang, because Da Nang's a really cool city. And I thought, it's to on, on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it bothered me, but because I wanted to stay here, but I didn't think there were other opportunities for me. So I, I'd made an exit plan. Um, and I was gonna give myself a couple of months working at Easy Tiger, take that money and go. But in that time, I hated working in a hostel. That's not my bag. I hated it. Um, I got offered a job with a very reputable company in the area. And then that was a whole nother new experience because I'm now working for a different company. So I've been moved into town because I used to live out 15 kilometers out by the farm stay. Moved into a little house and did my best to be a hotel manager. And... Uh, find my way in this new uh, this new challenge the challenge changed even more where I got transferred to a new project about 20 kilometers that way opening a small resort so I ended up moving at that point to a different town I didn't even live in Fungia anymore first and only foreigner in this small bustling Vietnamese town that was closer to work for me. So I did that for a year and a half and um, worked with the team to open a resort. I learned so much doing that. Um, and it was a very challenging experience on so many levels. And then uh, uh, that ended and then I ended up back here. And I think I sort of lost track of my story. I'm no, sorry. no, you, you answered the question beautifully. Thank you for being so transparent. I think your introspective nature is really beautiful and comes out in a way that I can really relate to, just in the way you describe the nature of this place, the dynamic of expats. Um, because what I'm finding as I have spent so much time in Nicaragua and then coming around the world and meeting 
you know, people who decide to live in areas like this, like you have the same sort of personality dynamic amongst everybody and the archetype of like the nature of how this unfolds. Right. And it's just interesting the way you articulated that, you know, with the community has their their cool kids and their not cool kids and the cool kids and then the social currency is always like, Well, how long have you been here? Right. And that's the first thing that everyone's always like measuring themselves against everyone else with. Like, sure. oh well that person's been here way longer than me, so I can't really chime into this conversation because you know they're the ones with all the clout sure and i find that just so interesting and like so fucking high school it is and i have to have internal dialogues with myself when new people come here mm-hmm. like denise everybody has to start somewhere and uh, you're not king shit right and so i really have to i i have a lot of internal dialogues i really question myself at my reactions to other people that are coming here and trying to start a life here, mm-hmm. you know? And so in the end, it always ends up with me being extremely welcoming, as helpful as I can be, um, kind and considerate. That's the core of who I am, but it always starts with a little bit of a battle, an inner battle with me right. inside. And I always talk myself out of it and end up with really good friends. Yeah, and a nice bar with nice atmosphere rather yeah. than a bar that no one's hanging out because the bartender talks shit on everybody else. <laughs> right, exactly. That's one thing, you know. And I have a lot to lose at this point too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I want, uh, I, I want everyone to feel welcome. Absolutely, and and you know it is fair. I think in a in a sense, like you paved the way for a lot of female say or people that are coming out after you in in whatever way socially or infrastructurally you know a lot of people do overpay for certain aspects of things that now people are arriving now are paying normal market price because there's more people here or something like this and so I can see how people do grow a chip on their shoulder because it's like you don't know what it took to build this you have no understanding but we always have to remember they're going to have their own challenges that yes they might not be equal but it's still like it's same same but different same same but different same same but different for sure and I mean yeah definitely life is a lot easier here than it used to be I mean because I'm okay I'm not a fan of Vietnamese food it's mm. ironic of course I it's not lost on me um, but uh, so for me to buy groceries that included like peanut butter or pasta I had to take a train to Da Nang to get all of that but I've since, Donghoi City is only 45 minutes away. It's a delightful little city. I love it, love it. But I have, like, I, I can find anything I need there. And that's the kind of information I like to share with new people. Like, so it just, they know where to find everything. Why was Donghoi not an option earlier on? Because it's a going? city. Okay. Oh, be, and they didn't have anything. Okay. So it was just a Vietnamese years. city. And now because there's more Westerners there, they're bringing in all the... Right. Yeah. I understand. I understand. Cool. Um, so when did Mama D's become an option for you? When mm. did that whole enterprise become something that you knew you wanted to actually give, give okay, a go? Well, I talked about having a Mama D's for, I'd say, 10 years. I've always said, I'm going to have a bar one day and uh, I'm going to call it Mama D's. That was just a dream of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to drink a lot then, okay. too, when I had that dream. Um, you don't drink anymore? I mean, nah, not really. Okay. I've been, no, and, and trust me, it, when I do, I do a great job of it, but I, I lost my taste. I'm not interested in Cold it. Cold turkey, you just kind of gave up one day? Or? Pretty much. It was, yeah, yeah. I had a real drinking problem. Okay. 
drank a lot, made a lot of really insane decisions. <laughs> like I have, there's, I shouldn't even be here. Okay. Yeah. But that's a whole different story. Okay. Um, what was the question? Uh, Mama D's and how it came. Oh, yeah, yeah. So after I was here for one year, I knew I loved it and I wanted to stay here. And I had a uh, two-week holiday in Canada booked. And it was, I remember, I'll never forget it because it was like the, my flight was, was booked. For me to leave, it was the day after a typhoon came through here. It was insane. I've never experienced anything like it. So it went from me with a big suitcase to me with a laptop bag um, on the back of a motorbike because that was the only way to get through all of the debris to the airport the next morning. It was nuts. And um, I was going just for a holiday, but while I was there, I had a little chat with my accountant who advised me to cancel that return ticket and to settle in and it was time to liquidate because I had a house in Manitoba. My family lives in Alberta, Edmonton, Alberta. It's an 18-hour drive between the two of them. And I knew that I wanted my life to be here. And that's when I started really talking about Mama D's. And um, he's like, you got to sell this house. You don't have any family or friends here anymore. You obviously have a dream. So that's what I did. I canceled it. I hunkered down. I listed my house. I sold everything I could and stored away the rest. It's still in a little grain bin in southern Manitoba, all these little Rubbermaid boxes covered in tarps. Um, so I was gone for one year. I was there for far too long. I finally sold everything and um, I stuck around for a long, like for months, which was just ridiculous because I started doing a lot of cocaine and partying and I just, it, I used up all my money. Came back and I had no money. Fuck. I started this process. So I got back in October, started this process with a business partner. We were gonna open a Mama D's. I only had like five grand, but we thought, well, maybe we can do it. And we started figuring like scouting locations and this and that, but nothing felt right. It didn't work. I ran out of money. I couldn't get any investors. Nobody wanted to invest in me or a bar here. And um, I gave up and got a job. I got offered work and I stayed. Um, then my brother came to visit me. And I was working out at the resort. And uh, he said, you know, Denise, like I can see why you love it here so much. And um, uh, if anything ever comes up, just uh, let me know and I'll invest. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's cool. And then October, November, December, no. Then I, I, I don't know, it all just, the writing was on the wall with my other job. So he came in, a May, in May and I had a holiday booked for September to go back to Canada to visit. And, um, and then just before I left on my trip, I uh, was informed that I would not be invited back when I got back from my holiday. Mm -hmm. So I had nothing. So I had a little bit of time here, and that's when Mike 
showed me the seventh floor of the Tunghai Hotel. And he goes, remember Mama D's? Mm -hmm. This could be Mama D's. And I was like, you know, you're right. And I started the process and I spoke with the owners. And then when I went back home in September, I did a little PowerPoint presentation for my brother. Welcome to the Tunghai Hotel. This could be Mama D's, da da da. Actually, no, that's not true because I was thinking, uh, even though I dreamed of a Mama D's, I never thought I would call it Mama D's because that's using my personality and my name and I didn't have the confidence for that. Okay. So we thought, let's open a high-end, fancy Vietnamese restaurant and we'll call it something else and um, because that's what I was told that this area needed more than anything was a fancy Vietnamese restaurant. Even though I don't like Vietnamese I food, <laughs> I know, but I agreed and went ahead. And my brother loved the idea because he's a fancy high-end guy. So he wanted to create something. We wanted to create something that he would want to go to, right? Because he runs in those kinds of circles, whereas I don't. But um, that was the original plan: was to open a fancy Vietnamese restaurant. But obviously that didn't happen, so take us through that. Okay, so um, so that was in September. And um, now my brother's invested. He's like, I'm in. I start working with architects and designers and stuff like that. I have no idea what I'm doing. Are you doing this in Vietnamese? Like, how yeah, do you I'm get I, I, I've hired someone to be my consultant and translator. translator. Okay. And um, I'm doing my best. I'm trying to, I'm winging it. I'm trying to figure it all out. Um, and I'm moving forward with it. We've got these fancy drawings now of a two-story structure, and it's going to be insane, and it's going to be very expensive. But relatively speaking, so in my brother's eyes, it's not at all expensive. To do something like that in Canada would be a million dollars, whereas here it's a hundred thousand. So like, that's a bargain. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm working towards this goal of recreating these drawings that have been presented to me and I, I, they're nice and everything looks good I go to Da Nang because it's time for me to look for suppliers and try and figure things out again I have no idea what I'm doing and this is in January January I'm in Da Nang and there are no plans of opening yet we don't know when this is gonna happen um, while I'm in Da Nang, I get a phone call from my brother, and my father has had an aneurysm, and there's not much time, and can I come home now? Uh, absolutely. Book me a flight. I have no money. I'm always broke. So I'm like, you buy me a ticket, I'm on my way. And I'm, I happen to be in Da Nang, where there's an international airport, and I have my passport, so let's go. I leave the next day. Um, and I make it just in time to say goodbye to my dad and uh, spend some amazing time with my family. And they all are like, you need to go back and you need to do this. This is your dream and you know, your dad's so proud of you. He will always be proud of you. And go, go, it's time to go back. So I get back in end of February and Mike, my dear friend, says, you know, Denise, this 
whole grandiose plan of yours is great and all, but you know, all everything's closing in two weeks. So why don't you open a pop-up bar? You're already renting the space, you know, like let's just get her done. And closing for Ted, I'm assuming. Yeah. So yeah, it's two weeks before Ted. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, what? yeah, let's do it. Like I might as well make some money, right? So I open a pop-up bar and I decide to call that Mama G's because it's temporary. And that was the, my word for 10 months. It's just temporary. This is just a temporary bar, you know? Um, and I hustled. I had to get sound system and get the bar and get all the stock and make some signs and no kidding. And I used plastic tablecloths and markers and I wrote on them and made these signs and put them up and um, put a tarp up as a roof and used the existing furniture and got some bamboo put on this metal structure to create a bar and decided I needed food so I decided to buy a panini press and um, boom in two weeks my grand opening was a night of fireworks and insanity um, but I still continue to call it a pop-up bar it's temporary it's temporary it's temporary and it's only in the last two months that I was like, you know what? This is Mama D's. This will never be a fancy Vietnamese restaurant. That is not who I am. This is who I am. I need to embrace this and, and accept it exactly the way it is and make it into something amazing. And I feel like that was the starting point for me because it was always temporary. This is all coming down. But nah, it's not going anywhere. It's Mama D's, Mama D's forever. That's such a beautiful story. I mean, it sounds like life kind of intervened in, yeah. in many ways and just kind of pushed you to that place where it's like, own it, take responsibility for it, and be you. And yeah. You get to be you now. And I mean, you've created a great place. It's I, awesome. I really have. I'm so proud of myself. And I'm really, finally, it, it took five years of hard work on so many levels. To finally be in a place where I am authentic. I'm me. I'm truly doing what I was meant to do. And I am who I was meant to be. Warts and all. I accept the things about me that created some of those challenges along the way. But now I'm finding them to be more strengths than hindrances, you know? and. It's it's a goddamn miracle, well and said. it's just nothing but blessings. Well said. So Mama D's has been open now how long as Mama D's? One lunar year. One so lunar I've year. had two tets. Okay. Right? Um, and I'm coming up on my one year yeah. anniversary. Yeah. Which I got to spend tet with you this year, which yes, was amazing. And it anybody was. who comes to Fung Ya, like the rooftop bar she has is the highest point in the village. And it was just the best Lunar New Year I've ever seen. It's incredible. It's, it's so incredible. Cool. The locals just know how to put on a fireworks show. Yeah, super cool stuff. Yeah. Um, just going back to your previous jobs, just so the audience can get sort of an idea of what you were making per month at your other ventures, like or the other jobs that you held. Like, right. what, what kind of salary were you getting? Well, at my peak, I was making like $27 million a month. That's dong for everybody, which means yeah. what in Canadian yeah. dollars? What would that be? That's about like 13, 1400 Canadian dollars. That was at my 
peak. That's a good money. That was magic. I got to go on a trip to Thailand and I could, whatever I wanted to do, I just did. It was awesome. I spread it around. I definitely spread it around. Um, but then I got demoted. <laughs> yeah, got demoted and got a down to 17 million which, which is. is let's see that's uh, uh 17 would be 700 bucks okay yeah it's 800 which is still what you can live because your rent's like what a couple hundred bucks a month or nah, no, no because i was living out in truck at that time okay. so my rent was you know i pay six million a month rent i you know by the time my living expenses were paid, I had 200 bucks a month okay. for food, entertainment, miscellaneous. It wasn't fun. Okay. It's not great. Um, not anything to aspire to. And because I don't like Vietnamese food, that's my biggest downfall. That and my inability to speak the language fluently. Those are my two downfalls. Um, but be, yeah, because I don't like the Vietnamese food, I couldn't just go to the little place on the corner and it's 20,000 dong, because I know it's going to be gross and I'm going to hate it. Do <laughs> you have any ambition to try to speak the language? Oh, I've gone to classes. I, I have tried. Just and I your... keep trying, but it's not a... Uh, I, I, I'm going to keep trying. Toi dang ko gang is what I tell everyone. I am trying, but I can't hear some of the differences, I can't make some of the sounds. Even when I practice, 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 nobody understands me. I don't know. My The reason I'm here is to speak English anyways. That's what everybody invited me here for, not to speak Vietnamese, but I won't be truly successful in my business venture unless I learn the language. That is a guarantee. And um, I take it really seriously and I'm, I'm always continuing to try. Nice. What is the plan for the future? I mean, are you going year to year at this point, or do you see a 10-year 10, 10 plan in, in front of you? Well, I only have the lease for five years. Okay. So I've only got four years left on it. And my brother, I believe at this point, only is giving me another year of support. So... Are you in the black, or are you still in the red on your... I'm still in the red, but it's oh so close. I'm really, really close to being like fluid and yeah, I'm doing really well. Cool. You know, um, all the, yeah, I'm doing pretty good, but it's not busy enough. I still am not bringing in people and that has, that boils down to marketing and my inability to promote myself, mm. you know, and it took me a 10 months to get onto TripAdvisor. Um, I still don't have an Instagram account. Um, I'm reminded by Facebook every other day that people are waiting to hear from me because <laughs> I don't post. I need help. I'm hoping I'm putting I've put out to the universe. I'm I, I'm hoping that there'll be somebody that can come and give me a hand with some of the marketing to teach me a little bit and kind of give me a kick in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So just to get it going. So it's a lot of word of mouth for me. Right. But I'll tell you. Those uh, mouths have nothing but fabulous things to say about me and about my bar, and it's uh, really gratifying. I want to be here as long as I can. I suspect that they would renew my lease. 
you know. I don't want to spend $100,000 on a structure. I want to make a few improvements and a few changes. Um, I'm off to go buy some furniture the next week. But um, it's not going to change a lot from where it is now. Um, do you have any desire to like meet somebody and like try to make a life with them here? I mean, do you date like locals or do you just no. expats or are you just kind of happy to have Mama D's as your baby right now? Well, it's all I've got, so I make it. I live and breathe Mama D's. That's yeah. what every decision I make is about my work. Um, well, it would be nice to meet someone, but it's certainly not on my radar or it's not a goal. Um, I used to be actually, yeah. I think I'm 47 years old, and I think I've hit menopause. Well, I'm definitely I've hit menopause. There's no if. Um, <coughs> so my whole everything has changed. Mm. Everything. I used to be the horniest most sex-driven person you've ever met mm -hmm. and everyone I met could feel that energy coming from me and there was nothing I could do about it it was just I exuded it mm. and um, I'm actually extremely grateful that that's gone you know like honestly Chapin when we if we a few years ago when we met I would have found a way to seduce you mm. it would have just happened but I don't even think that way anymore when I meet people. I look in their eyes and I'm like looking for something different, mm. for like a connection. Um, and it's, sex doesn't even um, cross my radar anymore. Very, 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 very rarely mm. do I get these urges. And so um, I'm used to being alone now. I've been single for seven years. And uh, that is another thing that nobody would have seen coming. I always had someone in my life. and. And not necessarily a boyfriend, but I had tons of lovers. Mm -hmm. Like, I never went without. Mm -hmm. And now I just do. And some people say, oh, what's wrong with you? And how sad for you? And I'm like, I got, I got, had more than enough right. in my life. And I love that I no longer define myself by my sexuality anymore. It's not a part of who I am. It's not what you'll remember me for. Mm -hmm. Whereas that's all I was known for. For most of my life from a very young age that's all I was known for so now I'm known for my personality and my drive and my accomplishments that's rather nice. than that's beautiful yeah that was a big deal for me okay yeah I see just out of curiosity have you ever changed the subject have you ever seen a successful restaurant like high-end make it here well no because they've never happened before like, it but would be your, the first. in your heart of all hearts, like, do you think it could be done? I mean, this is a backpacker town. Maybe like, in five hard? years, this oh. place would be ready. Because the dynamics are changing. Mm -hmm. And the demographics are changing. So, even my, my bar isn't a backpacker bar. It's more flashpacker and up. Right? Like, flashpacker, I've never heard that before. That's a good one, that's right? Flashpacker and up. Okay. The thing about Vietnam, though, is, I mean... Everybody's in cargo shorts and flip-flops. There's a an equalizer here. So it doesn't matter how much money you have. Everybody's the same here. And so no matter who's coming up to the bar, they all look the same. They all look like they have the same amount of money. You know what I mean? And um, 
uh, it's just really, really interesting. So no matter how much money they have, they're still coming up to the bar in flip-flops and cargo shorts. So I need my bar to accept and welcome and represent that. Right. But add a little bit more. Because you always pay more for a rooftop bar. Yeah, so my beers you. cost more, my cocktails. But I got the best cocktails in town. So they're still good value, yeah. you know? But, yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, if someone's listening out there who hears your story and has similar ambitions but doesn't really know how to get started, what would you tell them? I would say you got to go with the flow. You have to adapt. You have to be true to yourself. Um, and you just have to dig deep because it's, you, you reach some, you go through some super dark patches, you know, and you can't run away from them. If you dig in and dig deep, you can get through those dark patches. And I'll tell you, the light on the other side is magnificent. And then it takes you to the next step. None of it happens overnight, you know. But uh, you got to get through the dark to get to the light. Beautifully said. Mama D's, folks, you come to Fungi, you got to go to Mama D's for one of those cocktails because they're amazing. Thank right you, Thank you, man. That was awesome, Chapin. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Denise, for coming on and sharing your story with us. We really appreciate you being so transparent about the last eight years. You know, the ups, the downs, the insecurities, but you persevering through all of it to really make Mama D's a reflection of you and giving each customer a bit of an insight into who you are, what you're all about, and then treating them with that kindness and respect that I think everybody wants to feel in this world, whether they're frequenting a bar or restaurant or where you just meet them on the street and they need directions and they need help and they're new to the community and they just say, hey, I don't know where to get this or I don't know how to do that. Can you just show me or let me know who to talk to in order to accomplish what I need? Hats off to you. You're a beautiful human being and you're doing what you want in a beautiful town. If you ever get to Fongya, you have to check out Mama D's Bar, Rooftop Bar. I highly recommend going for Tet. You will get the most spectacular fireworks show of your life. Mama D's, check it out. If you're a first-time listener, please pull out your phone at the subscribe button. If you haven't yet gotten a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt, I would be honored if you went to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop, picked one of those up. We have a lot more cool episodes coming your way, so please stay tuned for next week's episode. I look forward to sharing that with you. And until then, please remember... I think you all are so very beautiful. I hope these episodes are inspiring you to take that first step towards the life you've always wanted, designing the life that you've always dreamed of. It's not easy, but it's definitely worth it. I'll see you next week. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.